0: It's like testing, testing, one, two, three, (laughs) and we are back, everyone. Thank you for your patience. Um, This episode is a day late, and that's uh, funny because this episode is about friendship. And the reason that this episode was late is because on Monday night, I went out with a couple of very good friends of mine. Worlds worlds collided, actually, Monday night, and um, had a bit too much fun. So Tuesday, I had to work, and I wasn't feeling feeling hot, so I didn't want to do the podcast. But here we are. I digress. So yeah, something fantastic happened on uh on Monday night and uh, with all the bullshit going on in the world with whether it be (laughs) the American election or you know war going on overseas or coronavirus and heading into the depressing months of the year I figured it would be nice to have a little bit of positivity and. I was fortunate enough to go out with a very, very old friend of mine on Monday night for a couple of drinks, my buddy Dave Horvath, always called him Horvath, and about halfway through our evening, one of my current... Absolute best friends and one of my favorite people in the world, Dom, my business partner. He's been on the podcast a couple of times. You guys heard of him. Um, he ended up joining us, and it was so, it was so nice to see one of my oldest friends who I don't necessarily see very often anymore. I mean, it's not, you know that we live a million miles away from each other. Fucker lives in Toronto. Just we don't see each other as much, just life gets in the way. Um, So one of my oldest, oldest, oldest friends and one of my newest, dearest friends, we all got to hang out together and it was just, it really reminded me how important um, friendship is, your relationships that you make. And just like, other kinds of relationships, you know, romantic relationships or business relationships, jobs, you know, things things come and go and friendships are, are no exception. It's not often that you have something, you know, forever. Things come and things go. So I just wanted to talk about some of my, um, my most meaningful friendships um, up until this point in my life at 36 years old. So... I've had a lot of buddies in the past. I don't want anyone to get upset. So I'm just talking about there's six or seven people that, you know, really kind of shaped who I am and kind of there's these friendships that stand out, you know, not to say that I didn't have many special ones, but these were just these were the people that really, really you know saw me at my best saw me at my worst in in various parts of my life and i've just got so many fucking memories so i thought it would be fun to just do a short little episode just doing some shout outs to some of my buddies out there people that have been very important to me so we're gonna start way back we're gonna start in the beginning we're gonna start with my childhood best friend and just like you see on tv kid lived across the street we're about the same age he was only like one year older than me but he was my best friend we did everything together his name was dylan dylan mcfall he still lives in ottawa um really nice guy really smart kind of I guess kind of awkward like I mean he was he was an only child and he was definitely he was definitely mama's boy I can I can attest to that because I'm a mama's boy as well and his mom Joan is just an absolute like the definition of a saint Dylan's house I mean it was huge because he was the only he was an only kid right Um, his mom and dad were amazing Brian was you know God rest your soul, Brian. You were an absolutely fucking amazing human being. I miss you every day. Um, and his grandma, Granny, they all lived together across the street. And I would sleep over at Dylan's as much as fucking possible just because Dylan had a fridge and freezer and cupboard full of all the good snacks and all the good foods. We were, we had three kids. We were three kids in my house. And we didn't grow up with necessarily a lot of money mom and dad always provided for us There's no fucking question about it. We never wanted for anything. It was just we didn't have you know necessarily <laughs> The brand name chips. We weren't eating Lay's potato chips. We were eating like pc Where there was half the amount of flavor and twice the potato Yeah, you know, that's exactly the most brand name kind of shit nothing wrong with it, but you know how fuck it is but dylan's please. Oh man, Dylan had like six or seven different kinds of sweet cereal. Uh, they'd have like pizza pockets and pogos in his freezer at all times, ice cream. And it was like, oh man, anytime I stayed over at Dylan's, it was just like, holy shit. We had a lot of fun. Like, he really was my best friend. We played video games together way back, like, when the internet first really was the internet. Like, I was always over at Dylan's and we were on the internet fucking, fucking around with Google searches or looking up videos or just whatever it is. It was just, it was great. Him and I played soccer together and it was those formative years. Like, I mean, I was very much a nerd, you know, a little clown of a guy, but kind of shy and kind of awkward. So Dylan and I really, really, it was him and I, we didn't really hang out with a lot of other people it was me and Dylan pretty much and then the Boudreaux's across the street as well there was a there was a family with like I think it was three kids Paul Emily and Madeline Madeline was the oldest then Paul then Emily all various ages but it was generally just Dylan and I together like every fucking day and then probably around probably around high school is when I really connected with with Dave Dave and I had known each other since like grade six, but I mean, it wasn't until like I guess junior high or high school where we got really, really, really close. And Dave ended up being my roommate at one point. I mean, him and I, it was me, Dave, and Noah. <clears throat> well, I worked on my grandpa's pub. Dave was there like every fucking day. We'd sit there and just have pints, hang out, watch Jeopardy together. Um, we would, when Jackass was big, we would make stupid Jackass kind of movies. Like, this is me, Dave, jumping over the fence, and we spent a lot of time together, basically just smoking weed and hanging out. It was me and, uh, me and Horvath together, like, all through high school. I had my other buddies and stuff like that, but it was me and Horvath were always together. He was (laughs) over at my place when I lived with, uh... A long, long-term girlfriend, Lisa. He was over at our fucking apartment, like, every fucking night. And then, when we wanted to move to a bigger place, we ended up getting a house downtown um, in Ottawa. And we were looking for a roommate just to kind of subsidize some of the costs. And obviously, fucking Dave lived with us. So, <clears throat> we spent a lot of years together. And that house was on Cumberland Street, downtown in Ottawa. 280, I think it was 281 Cumberland. And... Man, did we ever have some fucking parties in there. We was this, it was, it's, the house is still there. It's this, it was this L-shaped blue townhouse. And it was split into two houses. Um, We lived on one side, it was myself and Dave and Lisa. And then the other side was Andrew and Pat. They were a no joke, like a rock band. I think they were, they were called Scarlet Fever. And I was in, I was in the bar scene, like newish to the bar scene. I wasn't really in the clubs yet, but I think I was working at like the Heart and Crown, and I worked in some Hull clubs and all that kind of shit. And this was after working at my grandpa's, the family pub. So I was somewhat established in the bar scene, so I knew a fair amount of people. So we would have these house parties, and it was a lot like. I like Project X, like there was a live band, we'd have like 200 people crammed into these two little small townhouses, uh, fridge full of fridges, like full of beer, you know, fucking drugs and booze and puke everywhere, it was, there was a party house, and holy shit, did we ever have, did we ever have some times, like, I mean... It was so good to, to see Dave the other night and just reconnect and shoot the shit. And then him and Dom came back to my place afterwards and we just had some drinks. And to see a, like a friend that you've known for that long just effortlessly mesh with um, one of your best buddies now, just, it was just, it was so good to see. And, and like I said, I had other buddies in the bar scene and that I'd known for years, like Sambo was probably was probably one of the next that really influenced my life and had a big part in my life. I mean, Sambo and I Sam, right? Sambo and I had known each other since high school. And Sam was one of those guys where early on in high school, I wasn't exactly the most popular guy. It wasn't that I was necessarily bullied a lot, but I was, you know, I was the funny nerd. I was the class clown who was still really shy I really wasn't sure what my place was yet and samuel thought i was a cool kid and i was like Fuck, man like we can hang out together and he's another person that ended up being a roomie of mine after after i moved out from uh from dave's house the, d- the downtown house just because after my girlfriend and i had broken up i was just like i don't want to live under this roof anymore i never should have fucking left that house that house was incredible a three-bedroom house for 975 dollars in downtown ottawa oh my god but I, anyways um so sambo and i live with another buddy ross roscoe uh and funny enough ross and i have known each other for it'd be 30 something years like ross went to my elementary school and all through high school he was just a couple years younger than i was so i've known ross i knew his brother barry very well. Um, so we all lived in a house in center town, and we were all working in the bars together and um we played on the soccer teams together and it was it was just a lot of fun because that was another point in my time where I had I had a, a buddy or two buddies where I was just completely inseparable from all we did was hang out together. We did everything together like we like I said, we lived together, we played on a soccer team together, we would go drinking together. we worked together so it was a. Uh, it was just, it was a really, really fun friendship to have. It's not one of those, those situations that everyone can say that they had to like live, work, play a sports team and party with, you know, with your best friend. It just, that doesn't happen necessarily that often. And then later on in, uh, in my bar career, I guess, there was a pair of guys that I got really close to named uh, Paul Heineman and Andrew Hamilton. Paulie and Hammer. Paulie and Hammer, they had been friends for years. Like they were childhood buddies. And um, I think I worked for Hammer. I think Hammer and I first met when I started working at Tequila. I think it was still Tequila Tequila. It was either Tequila Jacks or Tequila Tequila. Same bar, they just changed the name. Um, we met there. And then we kind of formed a formed a friendship. We we liked the cut of each other's jib, so to speak. A couple of funny sarcastic assholes. So we got along really well. And then that's he's how I met Pauly, essentially. So Paulie is this. You've heard me talk about him before, I'm sure. I've got a I've got a fucking tattoo for the guy. I've got a big mason jar in the back of my shoulder that says Big Papa. And that's that's for Pauly. So <laughs> that's the kind of effect he's had on my life. And Paulie and Hammer were this, almost this like yin and yang for me, for for years in my uh, my later bartending career. Is just what I mean by that is that Hammer, Hammer's kind of always had his ducks in a row, in the sense like he's he's been very successful. He's very good with his money. He's a business owner. Um, he's kind of responsible in that kind of sense doesn't mean he doesn't like to party hammer will tell you you know he likes to get fucked up just as much as the next guy he's just a little bit more controlled about it whereas paulie paulie is this bad out of hell like when paulie goes paulie goes he's balls to the wall he's not afraid of a fight he's the first one to to take a shirt off in a bar even though he shouldn't be taking his shirt off in a bar he's like he's essentially Pauly is like a fucking hurricane. He's a walking hurricane, and I spent a lot of time with those guys together and individually as well. So I formed this kind of interesting relationship with two different guys, based on almost like a, 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 a trio friendship, a throuple, if you will. Now Hammer and I worked together, so we had a lot of a lot of late nights closing the bars together, and a lot of staff. A lot of staff trips. There's one particular staff trip um, where we went with the junction staff to Montremblant. And if I ever have Hammer on the show, you better believe that we're going to be talking about that one because that whole two or three days was an absolute fucking debacle. It was insane. But, anyways, so Hammer and I spent a lot of, I guess, more of the chill downtime together. We had our partying, we had our fun. But we had our own different kind of relationship. Whereas Paulie and I, I mean, still to this day, if Paulie and I get together, it's just nothing good's gonna come from it. We're gonna get into trouble. We're gonna have a few too many, and I'm gonna end up having to babysit the big fucking guy because at the end of the night, he's gonna be a fucking puddle. But I mean, that's why I love him. He's, um, like I said, if you're if you're one of his one of his closest then he's he's your biggest fan he'll defend you to the end of time you know anyone talking smack about you he's the first one to jump in and sort you the fuck out he's as uh he's like a german shepherd he may not be the brightest but fuck is he ever loyal and that's that's why i love him which leads me to to my next big relationship I guess, as I, was, as I was growing up not so long ago is uh, Mr. Isaac William Viner. Hutch. Hutch and Hutch. Now, I guess you would say the Hutch and Hutch days are over just because the Hutch and Hutch was a thing when we were a bartending crew. So, Isaac and I, we met in 2004. 14, I, I think it was around then when Ace Mercado was first opening back in Ottawa, and I was still super, super close with with Paulie and Hammer and all the you know all the, all the downtown bar guys, and then this new guy kind of comes in that I didn't really know before. And Paulie, being Paulie, was super protective. You know, like, well, you know, don't, don't get a new best friend, don't forget about me. And I was just like, well, you know, he seems like he's a pretty cool guy. And then Isaac and I hit it off immediately. We, uh, Isaac and I have spent more time together in a very short period of time than most most guys with their fucking girlfriends. I went to Dubai for this man. I picked up my life and I went to Dubai on a whim because he told me there was a job waiting for me and I said, fuck it, let's do it. That's so much uh, that I, I love and I trust this man. Um... Like I said, we started at Ace Mercado and the reason that it became Hutch and Hutch is that we were like Starsky and Hutch. But Starsky's a bitch. So neither one of us wanted to be Starsky. So we were both Hutch. So it's Hutch and Hutch. Isaac and I actually have... Is it five? I think we have five matching tattoos now. We've got... One of our favorite movies is called Cocktail. It's with Tom Cruise. If you haven't seen it, it's an amazing film, real dark. It's all about like bartending and working in the service, and it's more more about the bartending and the rise to power and how the mighty have fallen, warning about addiction and alcoholism and all that kind of stuff, and to be careful with your vices. It's a good movie. Check it out. Uh, But the poster of the movie has this lovely little play on words that says, When he pours, he rains. It's kind of like when it rains, it pours, but the way that they spell it is he rains as as a king so we got when we pour we rain tattooed on us because when we are behind the bar you know we're the we were that untouchable bar duo and i mean i really do believe that in downtown ottawa well i mean fuck the rest of the world but in downtown ottawa between the years of like 2014 and 2016 you couldn't name a better bar duo than isaac and i i stand by that um and we've got we literally have a hutch tattooed on our, like I have mine on my leg. And then we went to New York for Isaac's birthday, which was an absolute fucking shit show. We got an apple tattooed in the big apple. Cheesy, but whatever. Fuck it. Fuck it. I'm covered in tattoos. Don't tell me. Um, what else? We got a few anyways. They're fucking everywhere. I'm covered in tattoos. And then when Isaac left, uh, when he left Ace, he had this fantastic opportunity to go open up a restaurant in way out in Dubai, in the Middle East, and he's like, you know, you wanna, you wanna come out and work with me? And I said, I'll tell you what, give it three months. If you still think it's worth it and that I should come out after three months when you guys are all set up, then fuck it, I'll fly out. And then sure enough, three months later, he's like, dude, come on out, it's great money. You get to see the world, try it out. And I did it, I had a girlfriend at the time, I had a dog and I had my son in Toronto and I was like, well, I need money to move to Toronto if I'm going to take a stab at at the acting and having a a relationship with my son. So let's, let's fucking do it. So went out to Dubai, I signed a year contract and I, I lasted like six months. It was just Dubai was not for me at all. I'll do an episode on that so you can, that would be a good episode to do with Isaac actually talking about Dubai because we had somewhat different experiences. I just couldn't tolerate like the over the top fakeness. I've never been to Vegas but it, it reminds me of maybe what Vegas would be like on steroids. It was just completely, everything was extravagant. There were gold plated PS4s in the mall, in the Dubai mall for sale. The Dubai Mall has a massive aquarium with like a 30 foot glass tank as you walk through the mall. The Mall of Emirates, which is the other big mall, has a ski hill in it. There's It's in the middle of the desert. There's a fucking ski hill in a mall. It was wild to see. And I mean, I made a lot of money and I got some really good tattoos over there, but I couldn't. I couldn't do it. So I had to go. <sighs> I had to leave. And then. When I came back from Dubai. I left early obviously. I was, came back to Ottawa for a few months. And then eventually Isaac came back as well. And they said fuck it. Let's do this. Let's move to Toronto together. So we moved to Toronto together. To open up. Uh, the Bisha Hotel. So that's like a five-star boutique hotel, like right in the heart of downtown Toronto. So there was a job waiting for me and it was just the right timing. And then we ended up being roommates together in Toronto as well. When we got here, we were sharing an Airbnb that was like 240 square feet. Like there was a single bed, a futon on the floor without legs. And I think like a 20-inch TV in a kitchenette. Like it was awful. It was so bad. We ended up sharing that. I think it was two months or it felt like forever I think it was only something like three weeks but it felt like two months just because it was so small and so cramped and then we got our first place and then something happened where we we just kind of drifted apart and I don't think it was anything that he was doing or that I was doing it's just I found myself becoming annoyed by the littlest things. It probably didn't help that my my girlfriend at the time and him did not really see eye to eye. So I always felt like I was in the middle, like there was a wedge. So it affected my relationship with her, it affected my relationship with him. And then at the end of the day, the damage was done. And it just kinda, him and I, like, I mean, I essentially kind of walked away from him and I always felt bad about it. We've reconnected now, which is absolutely fucking awesome. But it, was, it wasn't it was great for a while. and. I think now that that breathing room was established and shit's kind of gone back to normal the way we used to be, shit's awesome again. And um, a little later on, probably about two years ago, um, I was working at Bisha one night and this loud ass French Canadian guy was in. And I understood the accent right away, so I went over and I was we're speaking Quebec to his Quebecois to each other, Quebexican. And uh, we had some shots of tequila, he had a great night, blah, blah, blah. You know, never, never saw him again. Then I go to a month after that, I was doing a commercial. So I was on a commercial set and it was started raining. So we were all under this like big tent thing, all in costume and our kind of, we were in different crews for this commercial. There was like, the painters were a crew and the firefighters were a crew. and. Doctors were a crew and we were like the the denim crew, like we were like the tough the tough crew. So everyone was like in denim and like black caps with like our rings and our tattoos, like the tatted fucking badass crew. That's who we were. And we we're all kind of sitting there just waiting and who is who is sitting beside me because he also got cast for it is this guy. His, his name is Dom. So tall guy like me, covered in ink like me, obnoxious asshole like me. How are we not going to get along? And we kind of looked at each other, and we were both just like, "Do I, have we have we met?" And he's was, was like, "Yeah, you you served me at Visha like a, a few months or like a month ago." I was like, "Oh man, I thought that was you!" So we hit it off right away. And when we were wrapping the commercial, I had to go right to work. I had to go bartend, and I was like, "What are you doing after this?" He's like, "Nothing, man." I was like, "Do you want to come to my bar and have some drinks?" And he was just like, oh, "Dressed like this?" Or- Covered in, covered in mud and all dirty, and I was just like, "Don't worry about it. You're with me. You'll be fine." So we ended up like leaving the set because the commercial ran so fucking late, and uh, we went right to my work. and I hopped on bar, and he stood in front of the bar, and we just had a we had a great fucking night. And ever since then, Dom and I essentially. Like the names they previously messaged, like Dylan, like Dave, like Sambo, like Paulie and Hammer, like Hutch. Just when you meet someone that you just you can't live without, somebody that you're just like you're you're good shit, like you're really good shit, and you feel good about yourself when you're around them, and you're just genuinely happier when you're with this person. Those are those friendships that. They're so important. And whether they last, you know, a year, five years, ten years, or for your entire life, I, I don't think it means that they're any less important. Because like I said, some of the people that I've been talking about, I don't necessarily really contact much anymore. And that's not to say that I didn't value my time with them. It's just to say that as we grow older or as we evolve, as we change, um, sometimes our values do, or our principles, or our beliefs, our goals, and not everyone is going to fall in line with those. And that's okay. I mean, I don't think that we're necessarily meant to have the same friends forever. I mean, I I think it doesn't show very much change or evolution in your character. And I mean, some people do, and that's fine. Whatever works for you, I'm just speaking personally for myself, because everyone I spoke about here has an extremely special place in my heart, and they were just at very different times in my life. And sitting on my couch the other night with Dom and Dave, shooting the shit like someone who is very important to me, in, uh, in the present and someone who is still very important to me but who was extremely important to me far far back in the past it was just really really cool to see this collision of worlds you know just to see two people that I really really care about bonding you kind of it kind of makes you proud and uh, and reminds you that there's there's still good shit out there especially in times like these when we may be feeling a little bit dark and a little bit down um, it's often easy to forget that there are still good things out there. Now, for story time this week, it was difficult for me to really pick one story, um, or even a couple, just because there are so many Uh, over the years that stand out and I mean some of that I would love to tell but I could never get away with telling on air (laughs) for being completely honest so I thought I'd share a little story about each of the people that I mentioned on this list so some of the stories some of the stories sorry are a little bit longer some are a little bit shorter some are hilarious some are disgusting some are just weird but all the stories are true so here we go um dylan like i said was my first best friend so there was nothing really outrageous that happened when we were younger um something that does stand out to me though is that Dylan's mom, and I'm pretty sure I talked about this on, a, on an episode, Dylan's mom, Joan, made, to this day, the best chocolate chip cookies I have ever eaten. They were permanently soft. Chocolate chips were permanently melty. The cookies were just Perfect perfect and she always was ready to whip up a batch and to this day like I said they're the best cookies I have ever had and they may be the best cookies that I will ever have but a quick little story about Dylan is like I said Dylan was a bit Dylan's a bit different just like I was you know just quiet you know there's nothing wrong with that and I was very much an introvert when I was a bit younger, I was, but I was always screaming to let my extrovert out, which is where Dylan and I were different in that regard. We're very similar in our, you know, we just kind of want to be in our world. We got no problems just chilling in the basement, playing video games, watching cartoons, not with anybody else. Whereas I like to eventually become the clown and I, I like the attention and I like to entertain. So, it was. It's very easy to get embarrassed when you don't like attention, when you don't like the spotlight on you. And there was one night, or sorry, one day where there was a park beside our house. It was uh, the JCC. There was where the Jewish school was beside the JCC. And it, to get into the park, you had to either go all the way around the fence and then get to the baseball diamond, or right beside my house, you could just climb the chain link fence, hop over it and you're in the fucking park. So that was an ultra shortcut. And there was one day where we were we were climbing back over the fence after playing, we were playing soccer or we were playing catch or something. And when Dylan got over the top and he went to jump, went to like hop off the fence, his pants got caught and he tore a hole like from the back of his knee all the way up his ass and my brother mike and i were were dying laughing and dylan's trying to play it off. he's like man it's not a big deal but he was fucking pissed and we knew he was pissed and he was trying to shrug it off so it just made us laugh even harder but i'll never uh I'll, i'll never forget that because it was so bad It was so bad, and he just, his reaction made it even fucking worse, but, oh, man, (laughs) um, (laughs) so for Dave, for Horvath, Horvath and I have so many fucked up stories together, um, but there was this one time. This is when we were living together with Lisa, my girlfriend at the time, uh, downtown on Cumberland street. And I had just gotten back from a a family vacation with my folks and my brother and sister, we went to Dominican Republic. And instead of bringing back like a bottle of rum or whatever it was, I decided to bring back a five liter. I don't know if you remember Bubba's, but a Bubba was like a little five liter aluminum keg. Um, And it was a beer. But I brought back, I was a Bubba. It was a five liter keg of rum. And I got screwed with with duty. I think I had to pay another $90 to bring it into the fucking country. Whatever, I didn't care. I was like 21 at the time. I was like, man, I got this giant keg of rum. So we had a big house party at the house. And I think it was, I think I was charging $20 for all you could drink. And I had eight cases of red cap stubbies and eight cases of PBR, the tall bottles. So the fridge was full, 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 full of beer. And then I took this keg of rum, it's five liters of rum. And I emptied it, emptied it into the big water jug for a water cooler. Like one of those ones you see at at an office. And then on top of that, I poured a whole bunch of juices and mix and then flipped it over and then labeled it um, blackout juice which i thought at the time was sufficient enough information or you know you'd get it in the name that there's booze in this but when people got to the party i think they just assumed that it was mix so they were mixing their vodka or their gin or their tequila whatever it was with rum punch so Everyone was so horribly drunk, myself included. I do this thing when I get way too drunk. Luckily, I don't get blackout drunk nearly as much anymore, thank God. But when I get to a certain point, my body goes into survival mode and I go, okay, I'm leaving. So I was at my own fucking house party and I go upstairs and I proceed to pass out. Now, I was so drunk and I didn't tell anyone. But I was so drunk that I started throwing up when I was passed out. And because of all the fucking rum punch I had consumed, it was just this bright pink. So eventually, probably not long after I went upstairs, probably let's say within 20 minutes, my girlfriend realizes that I'm not in my own house party. So she inquires and someone says, oh, I think I saw him go upstairs. So she comes upstairs and I had puked all over myself, all over the bed. Now, Dave Gabe comes upstairs and he's dying laughing. He's like, oh, fuck, you'll be fine. Just get him cleaned up and go back to the party. My girlfriend obviously is not impressed. A couple of her friends are nursing students. So they were able to change me and change the bed while I was still in the bed. Apparently, that's quite the skill. And I mean, I wasn't a big guy at the time, but I was still foot six, four, six, five. So it was like a really big noodle trying to change a bed with a really big drunken noodle in it. So that was, uh, that was a horrible hangover. Apparently it was one hell of a party, but that was, that's just like one of the examples of the average nights that Horvath and I would have together. Now with Sambo, We worked, like, fuck, we worked together, we lived together, we played sports together. I'm not gonna tell you necessarily a story about stuff that we did, because I could tell you tons. I had an an iPhone 3 way back, way, way back, and I had a video of Sambo so drunk. I was falling around, he was stumbling around the living room and then into the kitchen, and he was so fucking drunk. He's going into the cupboards to try and find a glass for a glass of water. (laughs) <laughs> and he grabs an electric kettle and I wish I had the video still because it was you can't make this shit up he grabs the kettle I'm like what do you, why do you have the kettle for and then you know when you, when you start falling backwards or stumbling backwards and you just can't you're like clutching at air and you just can't it was just it's the world's longest fall so Sambo starts f- stumbling backwards and he stumbles backwards down the hall And manages to turn a corner backwards into the bathroom. And then stumbles back and falls into the tub. And then fucking, I'm dying laughing, still filming this. And he's just, ugh. (laughs) With his back, hits the ceramic wall. And then he just pulls the shower curtain over himself to to block himself from being filmed. Oh, it was so good. But I'm not going to tell you that story, even though I just did. So... Sam and myself and Ross lived in a haunted house. I am not bullshitting you right now. I 100% believe that the house that we lived on at 254 Lion Street North in Ottawa is haunted and I am almost certain that it is myself who let the ghost or ghosts out. Now. me out here so when we moved into this place this was a huge you know those like those brownstones those walk-ups those massive townhouses it was one of those it was we were three single guys i had had a girlfriend for some of it we were three single guys and this house was way too much house for even us three there was you know those houses have the two living rooms like two massive living rooms it was one of those places with a foyer i had the master bedroom my master bedroom is probably the size of most toronto fucking apartments i know that's not saying much but a 500 square foot bedroom is a big fucking bedroom and the basement was also really 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 big in fact it was so big that it was so deep that there was this real real dark half of the basement and neither of us ventured there we we're like nah it's dark we're not going to bother what if there's cobwebs or dead rat or some shit so we said no we're not going to go over there it doesn't exist we're not going to use it and then about six months into living there i was downstairs in the basement doing laundry and i couldn't help but stare off into the blackness And I thought I could see something leaning against a wall. And I went and got, I think it was a flashlight because there was no way I was going in the dark. And I shined a flashlight over against a wall and there was a mattress leaning up against the wall. And I was like, oh, whatever, it's an old mattress. But I looked and above the mattress, peeking out was the top of a door frame. i was like oh there's a room there the mattress is leaning up against over like over a door i didn't even fucking realize it so i went for a little investigation i went over there with the flashlight and sure enough it was a it was an old queen mattress leaning over blocking a doorway and i moved the mattress and behind the doorway there was this little workroom it was like a there was a tool bench with a couple of old old tools and there was like a creepy kind of crayon drawing on a a piece of paper in the room and that was it and there was one of those pull lights in the middle of the room it was a light bulb with a string you know you you pull to turn on turn off there was no light switch and it wasn't a big room like I said it was small it was maybe four feet by ten feet and I looked Back at the rest of the basement, I was like, fuck, I bet we could fit all of our boxes in here, all of our storage, like our winter clothes, old shit we're not using, stuff we moved from previous apartments just for storage. So I proceeded to clean up the entire basement and I shoved all of our junk into this room. My dog's losing her mind right now. Um, and filled this room up and then i had to like literally crawl over the stuff to get back in and turn the light off because it was on a pull chain and a few days later i went downstairs to either have a smoke or do some laundry or something and i went down and i noticed that the light was on and i was like oh that's that's weird so i went back upstairs and the samuel and ross were sitting in the living room and i said Hey, were one of you guys in that little room downstairs looking for something? And they were both like, what the fuck are you talking about? Clearly they had no idea that I'd even filled the room full of stuff. So they were like, no man, I know what you're talking about. So oh, okay, cool, cool. So that happened. And then about a week later, I came downstairs um, in the early afternoon to make breakfast or make a pot of coffee or something. And every single cupboard door and drawer in the kitchen was open, not just a little bit open, but wide open. And the chairs at our kitchen table were all pulled out. Thinking at it, like thinking back at it now, like that's super, super, super creepy. I mean, I don't know why I didn't freak out then, but I was just like, oh, maybe one of the boys got home last night and they were real fucking hammered and tore the kitchen apart. So that happened, and then the, the third thing was that, like I said, there was two living rooms. So one living room was closer to the front door and the other one was closer to the back of the house. Um, <clears throat> I like to play video games in the living room that was closer to the door because it, it was a bigger TV there. I had my projector and all that kind of stuff. So that's kind of where I played video games and one night and it was late. It was like two in the morning. I heard, I kept hearing like a pitter-patter, like light footsteps running up the stairs and then running down the stairs and then running up the stairs and then running down the stairs. Now, because these townhomes were all attached, they shared walls, the argument could be made that it was the neighbor with a shared wall. Maybe their kids were running up and down the stairs. But keep in mind, this was at like two or three o'clock in the morning and the people who live next door were like a middle-aged gay like gay couple it was two guys so there weren't kids running up and down the stairs at two or three o'clock in the morning these guys worked in the government they had to work in the morning so that wasn't happening so it was those super creepy things that happened at that house and i think i moved out i think that's what i moved to the quebec was shortly after that I, I left that fucking house but um yeah, that's the that's story about living with fucking Sample. He never believed it. Ross never believed it. But I'm telling you, that, that fucking house was haunted. Now, Polly and Hammer. Polly and Hammer. Let's start, let's start with Hammer. So Hammer and I knew each other. And we, you know, we worked in the same industry. It's very hard not to know each other. Ottawa was very small. So we had crossed paths a few times. We really didn't talk much. And there was one night when he was the recent, he became the recent general manager of uh, of one of the nightclubs. And I was working that night. So the nightclub that I was working at was attached. Like essentially you slide the wall and that wall opens up into an even bigger nightclub. So on the quieter nights, we used the smaller part as a separate club. Well, the bigger part was left vacant. All the lights were off. No one was in and all that kind of stuff. So one night I was working the smaller club and I left the bar. I left my buddy to work on the bar, my buddy, Maddie. And I left to go mess around with a girl, essentially. So that girl was in that I was really attracted to and she was really attracted to me. And I was like, "You want to go fuck around next door in the empty club?" And she was like, "Absolutely." She was she was a lot of fun. Um, and we're in the booth messing around, and I see the corner of my eye. I see Hammer walk by, and he kind of he freezes because I'm supposed to be on bar. I'm supposed to be working right now, and I'm messing around with a chick in a fucking booth and he's the general manager. I mean, I'm not doing what I'm supposed to be fucking doing. We kind of make eye contact and he just kind of like looks at me and I'm like, Ugh. he's just like, all right, man. Like with the eye contact, we had a whole conversation in less than a second. He's like, all right, like hurry the fuck up, you idiot. And ever since then, Hammer and I had this had this bond because it was, it was a funny, uh, it was definitely a funny fucking incident. I remember in the pitch black, I just see him walk it across to go to the office. He's just like, what the? F-? Oh, and then the glare in the dark and then his fucking smile. With Pauly, most of the stories I have revolving around Pauly and I, I cannot say on air. Polly and I have done some absolutely ridiculous fucking things, uh, but there was one, <laughs> there was one time where it was myself, Pauly, and her friend Nick, Nick Lemieux, she was she was the one who was driving uh, up to up to Tromla for for a party weekend with some of the group, some of the friend group. And Nick has this little dog. And what's the fucking dog's name again? Bria, Brian, Bria, Britta. I think it's Britta. This little. Fucking poodle with no teeth left because little dogs teeth rot out apparently so they get them all yanked so This things fucking tongue hangs out of its head Cute little thing cute little thing So I'm in the front seat When we're heading up to Tromblon And I've got the dog kind of like under my Like I'm holding it on my chest under my jacket keeping it warm and I'm having a great time Polly's in the back We're having a chat and then the dog starts to like move and shuffle and all this kind of stuff. I'm like, oh, maybe, maybe the dog's uncomfortable. So I kind of release my grip. And the dog stands up and climbs out of my coat. Then proceeds to turn around and face away from me. And then shits on my chest. <laughs> So I'm freezing. I'm like, I'm just like, what the fuck do I? Because I didn't want to freak out because I'd get shit everywhere or send the dog flying or make a mess. So I'm just like, oh my god! Polly's in the back seat. Polly sits up and sees what's happening. Polly opens his mouth <gasps> to start laughing. He just gets a mouthful of dog shit smell. So he starts gagging. I'm gagging. Nick is laughing and gagging. So we got to find a way to pu- safely pull the car over to the side of the road so I can get this dog to stop shitting on my chest. So we stopped the car. I hit her to Take this fucking dog. She takes the dog. I get out of the fucking passenger side. Get the dog shit off my chest. Luckily, it got all the shit like, on my jacket. So I was able to take my jacket off turn it inside out, and then kind of throw it in a plastic bag and put it in in the trunk. So I didn't get actually any shit on me, but oh my God, was I ever fucking mad. I wasn't mad for very long, I was mad for a split second, but it was so fucking gross. Thank God it was a small dog, it would've been a lot worse. But yeah, so essentially when I say that shit always happens when Paulie and I are together, that's a prime example of it. Um, The story with Isaac, Isaac and I, holy fuck have we had a lot of uh have had a lot of long nights and late nights doing shit and up to no good after the hours of midnight but something that was absolutely fucked was when Isaac and I were living in Dubai together and Dubai is a place where you got to be really careful You can have a lot of fun, you can get crazy. Like Dubai is fucking crazy. But you have to remember that you're a fucking visitor. And if you fuck up, they will come down so hard on you. Like they'll throw you in jail, they'll fucking kill you. Like it's really, really terrifying. So it's never smart to get really drunk and do something stupid in public. Like, say, trespassing on a fucking construction site for a mansion. So, one night, Isaac and I were in, we were drunk. We were were real drunk. And we were sitting on the roof of our villa. By the way, we were living in like a 7,000 square foot marble villa. It was... When I do the Dubai episode, you'll hear all this. We were sitting on top of our fucking mansion essentially and I got the great idea to like let's go let's go walk around the neighborhood and like see some of the other cool mansions that they're building and super drunk me was like that's a fucking fantastic idea. Let's go for a wander. So it's like three or four in the morning and we're really drunk and we're white in the middle of like Dubai. Like we're drunk, it's super late and we're white not a great combination for for that part of Dubai especially and we're wandering around and we come up to this place that's like 25% built and we're walking around the construction site. it's like all the walls are up the concrete stairs have been poured you can kind of explore it it's like it's going to be a big cool place like wow that's pretty fucking cool all right like wild like what well, this place is going to be amazing. Let's go let's go see another one. Let's go see another one. So a couple blocks away we end up stumbling upon a villa that was or a mansion that was 50% done. So we had to like slide between this like wooden wall that was surrounding the construction site because there were tools that were locked up there and there was full walls there was plumbing that had started to be put in there was you know actual stuff and we're like let's go up on the roof and you know have a have a survey of the neighborhood to see if we can see any other places so we go to walk up the stairs and we get to the roof of this place and there is a security guard sleeping at the top of the stairs and he sits up and looks at us and we freeze we're like Oh, fuck. We're screwed. And we were so slow and so quiet. We were just like, hey, man, like, we're not really here. This is a dream. Like, go back to sleep. Go back to sleep. And the guy kind of like sat there in a haze for a few seconds. And then he lay back down and went back to sleep. Like, for real. So we got the fuck out of there. And that should be where the story ends. That should be where we say, that was too close a call. Let's go home. But no. Isaac, and to this day, I will maintain that it was fucking Isaac's idea. Isaac said, let's just, let's check out one more place, just one more place. Because there was this massive place at the end of our block, and we always passed it when we were um, coming back from work. So we're like, okay, let's go check out that place. This place was like 75% built minimum. We had to climb over a concrete wall to get into this place. And we got over the wall. There was electrical being put in. There was glass already in some of the fucking windows. Like this place was ready to open in the next month or so. Already or to be finished and have the owners move in. So we're like super blown away this place is gorgeous it's like 10,000 square feet we're stunned we're like okay cool let's go up on the roof and take pictures because this is so fucking sick we get halfway up the stairs and something goes flying by our heads and we hear a hey and we freeze and we see a flashlight there's a security guard this time he's awake fully and actually doing his job and he's standing at the top of the stairs, and in one hand he's got um, the flashlight, and in the other hand he's got a cell phone and like a switch. looked like it looked like a looked almost like a whip. And the phone is like lit up, so either he's about to call, or he's called, or he's texted texted some texted somebody. So the phone's been used. So we start backing down, like backing down the stairs. We're like, "Hey, man, like we're really sorry." we didn't mean to be here like we're gonna leave we're gonna leave and he's speaking and very broken and he's like like who are you like what are you doing here like i call police i call police you wait you wait i call police we're like dude no we can't wait like please don't call the cops we're gonna go okay we're gonna go we're really sorry we're so sorry And we're backing up and slowly backing up and slowly backing up until we get really close to the wall and then isaac and i both knew that we're gonna have to hop this wall and fucking book and we're like, okay, ready, go. So Isaac is a little bit closer to the wall and he's also a lot smaller than I am and a lot more nimble. So he gets over that wall right away. I wasn't so fast. I turn and I have to take like one or two steps before I hop up over the wall. And as I'm getting over the wall, I, I feel this like sting on my back. So he like hit me with like his stick or whatever the hell it was. And it gave, it was enough of a sting to like push me over the wall. So we get over, we hit the ground, we sprint, and we do not stop sprinting until we get back to the villa. We get to the villa, we're out of breath, we're laughing in fear, we're dying, we're like, oh my god, that was so fucking close, we're so fucking stupid, we're scared sober. Okay, cool, let's go have a shower, let's go to bed, this night never happened. So I go have a shower, rinse off, clean up, you know, and I get out of the shower, we're still laughing, and I turn my back to Isaac and he stops laughing. I was like, what man? He's like, dude, you're back. I look in the mirror and there was like a split from like my shoulder blade down to like my hip. This guy, when he hit me with a switch, it wasn't really, really bad, but he split me open this huge, huge like slash from where he whipped me going over the wall, but we didn't get caught. We didn't get caught. We learned our lesson and we never did something that stupid again while in Dubai. I think <laughs> now the last story before uh, before I let you folks go today it's funny I said it was going to be a really short episode and then I get started and I just love talking to you guys so um this one's fairly recent Concerning my good friend Dom. Um, About just under two weeks ago, it was his birthday. And Dom likes to drink. I like to drink with Dom. And his girlfriend is a wine rep. So they have, on average, let's say $15,000 worth of wine in their condo at any given time. And after a few bottles... She started breaking out some of the good shit and completely wasting it on us. Now, I don't normally get drunk on wine and I especially don't get blackout wasted on wine. So we're all hammered and at around, I wanna say it was around three o'clock in the morning, she decides it'd be a good idea to convince Dom to break out the tattoo gun. Now Dom can tattoo, like he's not the world's greatest tattoo artist, but he knows what he's doing. He's tattooed himself. He's tattooed many people. His girlfriend, on the other hand, is not a tattoo artist. And she was very drunk. We were all very, very drunk. And while everyone is sitting there saying, you know, I'll get a tattoo, I'll get little, let's get like Orion's belt. So three little dots or Sagittarius and all that kind of stuff these little dots and lines and all that kind of stuff when it came time to me I guess the state that I was in I thought it would be really funny to tattoo a dick on my leg and I guess I wasn't satisfied with how everyone was attempting to draw the dick on my leg so I decided to take the pen and draw it myself so I drew this three inch monstrosity On my left leg. Which she proceeded to try and trace over. And. It's the worst tattoo. One of the worst tattoos I've ever seen. So. I woke up the next day. And I get a message from Dom. He's like how's your tattoo? And I was like what are you talking about? He goes look at your leg. And I go well that's a fucking shame. I'm going to have to get that lasered off. Because it is. It's not even a nice looking dick. Like it's so scraggly and ugly and crooked so yeah so I went to go get it lasered off and I met a lovely um, laser removal tech her name is Nilu. Um she will be a guest on the podcast eventually um, and she asked me how long have you had that tattoo And I'm like oh about 10 days she goes yeah you gotta wait at least two months to get that tattoo removed so thankfully right now, because we're in Canada, it is pant season. So no one will have to see this monstrosity, but you better believe that as soon as the two months is up, I will be having Nilu on the show and we will be able to talk about some of the horrible tattoos she's seen and that she's had to removed in her time as a laser tech, because this is a really fucking bad tattoo. So I'd love to hear about some of the other ones she's had to do. So yeah, that's uh, that's what happens when, when you get drunk with your friends, especially your best friends. You end up doing stupid shit. So yeah, that about does it for Chewing the Fat this week, guys. Um, I wanted to thank you for tuning in. This was, a, this was a fun little episode to do. Just to try and give you some laughs and tell you, you know, it really is important to have your friends. Not a lot of friends. I really believe it's, you know, that's not important at all, but it's good to have to have your little crew, have your besties, have those people that have seen you at your best and seen you at your worst. And it's always the best friends that will tell you, you know, when you're doing good and when you're doing bad. When you're being an idiot, your best friends will call you out. And when you really need a good talking to, you, those are the ones you can count on. And they come in all different shapes and sizes. A lot of them aren't here forever. So just remember that it's uh, when you find people that you really, really mesh with to really treat them with love and respect. Because you never know when. <laughs> When they're going to be riffing their pants on a fence or or tattooing a dick on your leg or nearly getting you arrested in Dubai. So once again, thank you guys for tuning in this week. Um, I noticed that there's been some orders on the website. You guys are getting your Chewing the Fat gear. I really, really appreciate that. Um, You can order it at angrygoat.ca. There's a few items we're slowly expanding. I'm doing so much shit right now, all my hustles. So, I really want to thank you guys for, for bearing with me. And uh, we'll see you guys next week. And I hope you have an absolutely spectacular night.